located in the foothills of Wyoming's spectacular Wind River Range, Wyoming Catholic College, an accredited four-year Great Books institution, is built on the ancient Western tradition of the liberal arts and the freedom of the American West. The college offers its students an immersion in the primary sources of the classical tradition, the grandeur of the mountain wilderness, and the spiritual heritage of the Catholic Church. Students experience the illumination of imagination and intellect through the great books and traditional disciplines, literature and philosophy, mathematics and theology, science and Latin, and an outdoor program second to none. The college celebrated an in-person graduation with its seniors last year and welcomed its largest freshman class ever this year. Learn more about the college's unique space in the world of American higher education at wyomingcatholic.edu. Elizabeth Lev is with us today. She is an art historian who lives in Rome and who's authored a previous book entitled How Catholic Art Saved the Faith. Uh, she has a new book out entitled The Silent Night, A History of St. Joseph as Depicted in Art, and that is our topic today. Welcome, Ms. Lev. Thank you very much for having me. All right. What a, what a handsome little volume uh, this, this is. Uh, I'll, I'll say first, uh, you open by noting that Pope Francis dedicated year 2021 to Joseph, quote, as you put it, this unsung champion of the gospel. Any, any thoughts on why he, why he did that? Well, when Pope Francis was first elected, he, his first mass was on, on the 19th of March, which is the feast day of Joseph. And he spoke very eloquently about Joseph at the opening of his pontificate, really holding at that particular moment. I mean, we were back in 2013. But he was speaking about Joseph and the importance and the dignity of work, um, really already a sense of uh, already a sense of how Joseph would speak to many different aspects of his pontificate. I remember being with uh, several of the journalists who were working uh, that that conclave and how moved they were when he spoke of Saint Joseph. And so I think he's been Joseph has been part of this pontificate. As a matter of fact, he then. Uh, added um, St. Joseph to all the Eucharistic prayers. So I think it's not something that like he woke up and what shall I do today? But this has been kind of a crescendo in a pontificate that really sees St. Joseph as, a, as an essential saint for the modern world. Your title, The Silent Night, uh, you say uh, a little further on that uh, his silence is, is not inexpressive. Uh, as you put it, he, quote, teaches by by silent example can, can you can you give us a way in which joseph teaches by silent example well i remember that that particular phrase and thought came to mind during the during the pandemic and as you know i live in italy where our situation in the pandemic involved a lot of restrictions and a lot of feeling like life was very much out of one's control which i suppose it is but we were made painfully aware of it and there was something about thinking about St. Joseph in this period who, you know, finds himself put into this position where he's going to be the foster father to Christ. And then he's buffeted by these powers, this Augustus who wants to hold the census, by a Herod who wants his, 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 his child killed, his charge killed. And how he has to he has to react, and he doesn't rail against. We don't hear him saying. We don't hear him grumbling about the government. We don't hear him railing against the world. We just see him focused on the one thing he has to do, which is care for that family. And I think that is to, to me that was one of the greatest examples during this pandemic. It, this this it was a silent teacher. Yeah, yeah. You call him uh, when we when we 
look at the present moment, you call him, quote, a beacon in an era that undervalues fatherhood, denigrates masculinity, and ridicules chastity. Uh, I, I couldn't agree more. <laughs> you're, you're absolutely right about this. His timeliness is acute. Do you think that a lot of people are ready, that they're hungering for an example like his? I, I do. I think when, when we look at the circumstances in which you know poor old St. Paul had to come in preaching into the Roman Empire where people lived their 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 liberties um in, in in every way possible but they were still looking for direction they were looking for true love true commitment true responsibility and i think that, that as we see this world which is becoming even more sort of out there and it's searching for how to be more transgressive searching for more attention uh-huh. searching that i think joseph really what people hunger for is solidity people hold hunger for is dependability, reliability, someone that will love them truly uh, uh, day in, day out, the way that, that, that Joseph really dedicated his entire existence to loving his family. You, you refer to him with another uh, epithet, uh, Silent Night, the quote also, the elusive saint. What do you mean by that? The elusive saint is earlier on in the book. I mean, now I just call him ubiqu- ubiquitous saint. I must admit, all these all these epithets, I'm feeling a bit like Homer. But um, the uh, <laughs> they're 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 great. They're great. <laughs> the, uh, the the when I was talking about the elusive saint, it's it's really the beginning of Saint Joseph in the history of art, where the poor man you know, doesn't even appear in early imagery, not until about four hundred, maybe four hundred and fifty. Uh, and yep. then after that, he, he 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 just kind of peeks in in corners, so you sort of see him off to the side in the midst of. If you look through the wise men, you may, you will see Joseph there in the background. So he gets treated very much as a secondary figure in in the earliest Christian art. You 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 just you mentioned uh, that it's really centuries uh, after. Uh, after the crucifixion, before Joseph does become, just does have a, a significant place in art. What is our first known representation of St. Joseph well, in, in art? And may, maybe I could add, why did it take so long? Well, I think there, the, the earliest known representation is um, in uh, Santa Maria Maggiore, where he arrives... It's not a subtle arrival. He shows up all over the pan, the mosaic panels of the triumphal arch above the altar. He shows up five times. He's actually in that that cycle of images more often than either Jesus or Mary. The reason why it takes so long, however, is because of uh, Christianity entering into a world where uh, the the one of the most difficult challenges is to convince people to believe that Jesus is the Son of God. So having this kind of inexplicable guy hanging around isn't going to isn't going to help. And um, the, 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 so the divine fraternity is one of the most important things about this. And of course, the virginity of Mary. And so in this world, it's difficult for people to, to fathom that. It's actually very similar to our world. How could these two people be together? And yet have vows of chastity. How can this? So, the to make it a little, little less complicated, not to get lost in side conversations about the chastity of Mary or, 
or or the endless number of mythological examples where gods show up to impregnate women. They just Joseph kind of very very in very genteel fashion just steps off the stage and allows the primary teaching of the Blessed Virgin and the Divine Paternity to shine forth. And then later on, we can add this nuance of the foster father of Christ. Yeah, quick side question from, from, from someone you know, who's, who's not entirely up to speed on, on, on many things Catholic, myself, or, or Christian even. But uh, what is, how old is Joseph at the time he, he weds? That is anybody's guess. And it really, in the history of art, it has been anybody's guess. It's a history of art, a history of theology, a history of scripture, a history of, 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 of a social history. Trying to understand Joseph's age is a very interesting, it's almost like the Rorschach test. Whatever, whatever you think Joseph's age says tells me a lot about you. So at the very beginning, uh, when people first start trying to develop the story of scripture, which it, it's a story, it's a compelling story, and the characters are fascinating, one of the early things they try to do is to develop the story of Joseph. You know that if this were Hollywood, Hollywood would be looking at the scene like, you know what we need? We need an origin story about Joseph. Well, that happened 1,600, no, 1,500 years ago when the story of Joseph the carpenter was written by we don't know whom, but we know that this story begins to circulate in many, many copies, actually. And the story to develop Joseph is interested, of course, in, in protecting the virginity of Mary and the divine paternity of Christ. And for that reason, they already create a whole caveat to explain the chaste relationship between Joseph and Mary, that he's an old man, that he's already been married, He's got kids. There's a whole there's a whole scene again in the story where Joseph says, "Oh no, please don't make me go because people will laugh if I have such a young bride because I'm such an old man." But that's that's completely fictitious. It was just a, a it's a it's it's kind of like you know the the 1930s version of uh, of uh, of um, uh, I just I think one of those movies that they made me make over and over and over again. So it's like a very early version. And then later on, when you get to the Renaissance, they begin to explore the idea of a young Joseph. They like the idea of a, of a, of a young Joseph, a virile Joseph, a Joseph who has chosen chastity. And that's a new reflection of a new age that really wants to talk about self-discipline and self-mastery. It wants to hold Joseph up as a figure of, of, of those qualities. And then as we move into different ages, Sometimes they want to show Joseph as an older man because of his wisdom, a man who, it's, it's one of the nice things about not speaking much, and I should probably be thinking about this as I do this podcast, one of the nice things about speed, not speaking much is that you get to seem smart a lot because you don't say dumb things. So Joseph can come across as this figure who sees, who watches, who is first-person witness to the incarnation, but we don't have to hear his opinion. We don't have to hear his two cents. He doesn't become a pundit or a talking head. He's just a, he's a witness who has true wisdom because he was there and he saw it. The, the book, uh, I mentioned what a handsome volume it is. You have some many strong, vivid images scattered throughout the book with your discussion. So we do really have a, a sort of a survey, a review uh, over the centuries of Joseph in art. Next, what is the throne of Maximian, and what does it show? 
Oh, the throne of Maximian is one of the more beautiful and more obscure things I found in this journey of uncovering images of St. Joseph. It's in Ravenna. And actually, when you were asking me about the earliest image of St. Joseph, in the back of my head, I was like, oh, there's that throne of Maximian. It might be around the same period. Um, it's an a carved ivory throne. It was a bishop's chair. So it's a cathedra. And it's a spectacularly, intricately carved throne that shows dual stories. Just stories of Joseph the Patriarch and Joseph stories of Joseph and Mary, including some pretty interesting apocryphal stories, such as the test of Joseph and Mary's chastity. So it's a very early, um, very early uh, series of images that explore a couple very important things about Joseph. The story of Joseph and Mary's life together, um, even before the birth of Christ, and secondly, it begins to establish the parallel between Joseph the Patriarch and Joseph the Foster Father of Christ. The, the next images that you come across show him as elder, as you said, but also somewhat enigmatic, right? He's, he's a little bit of a mystery to, to people. What, what's the nature of, of that mystery? Is it, I mean, that goes with the silence, uh, right? But there's something... Curious about him, is that right? Yes. The, so the first two images that we were talking about, that Mary Major and the throne of Maximian, those are very, um, those are very uh, sort of elite circles, right? A bishop's throne, the 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 basilica, the first basilica of the Mary. These are very, very, very sophisticated, important cosmopolitan sites. But as Joseph begins to emerge into more popular imagery, and this happens around the 6th and 7th century, they aren't quite as comfortable with showing Joseph and Mary side by side the way that they are in these other two, other two images. So Joseph begins to appear in art, but he's usually placed, and let's say it's a rectangular painting, he'll generally be placed in a lower corner facing away from the action. So Mary will be up in the up, she'll be upper part of the rectangle. She'll be reclining with Jesus. You can have the animals there. You might even have a couple of shepherds there. But Joseph, you find down at the bottom, over in the corner. Sometimes he's it looks like he's like watching the the camels of the Magi. Like he's like the he's the stable master or something. And so you have him. The iconography we have to assume because nobody wrote this down for us. But since the 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 pattern is to show Joseph kind of hunched over in this kind of very closed up position facing away from the scene. Uh, one idea is to distinguish, make him distinct from uh, Mary and Jesus so there's no confusion that he's not the father of the child and that two, they are exploring what they call Joseph's troubles. And so uh, kind of another way of paralleling with Joseph the patriarch who Whose, whose interpretation of dreams presages disasters that are going to happen. And of course, Joseph himself undergoes many troubles personally. And that Joseph, um, as the foster father of Christ, is kind of previewing or presaging the difficulties he's going to have to face as the, as, 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 as the caretaker of this family. Let's pause for a moment to ask if you are looking for a Catholic university where the greatest works of Western and Catholic tradition are the foundation for learning, all in an environment that is faithful to the magisterium. That's the University of Dallas in Irving, Texas. 
Recommended by the Cardinal Newman Society, the university offers an exceptional liberal arts education with undergraduate and graduate programs in arts and sciences, business, and ministry, as well as a campus in Rome, Italy, all of them preserving the wisdom of the past while preparing students for world-changing futures. Academically excellent, always faithful. Apply today at udallas.edu. Uh, another side question. You're, you're an art historian. You've written on, on Christian art extensively. Uh, are these Im- were these images uh, common enough to you already, or did you have to track down? Did you have to do some, some more digging and, and actually find some things you hadn't come across before? Oh, it was it was a true voyage of discovery. I mean, there were some images that I had seen so many times and never really thought about what what Joseph might mean in the image. So in many ways, this book project was a way for me to learn to appreciate and to love even more images that I was already very fond of. But there were plenty of images that I did not know existed. I'd never really thought about them. I'd never really gone to on to unearth them, and, I, and there was a whole vein of imagery that I didn't even know existed, which was, I think, when I found those images, those are the images of uh, Joseph as a figure of fun, Joseph who seems to be doing something goofy in the middle of the nativity. When I found those, I was like, well, this, this really has to be a book. What? Let's jump. What, what was the content of St. Bernard's sermon? St. Joseph, husband of Mary. That's important in this history, isn't it? It's it's terribly important. As a matter of fact, it's funny that we go, we jump from the mocking images of Joseph to St. Saint Bernardino of Siena, who was quite unhappy with those images. And he really, um, St. Bernardino, who is, is Franciscan, and so bearing in mind this is the same order, the founder of this order evokes this amazing nativity in Greccio where he's holding, he's preaching about the Christ child to the point where people envision that they see the Christ child in his hands. They have a they have sort of a collective vision. And so the the, the continuing in this vein of, of this this religious order that has this tremendous devotion to the incarnation and to the nativity, then Bernardino of Siena would reflect on what it was like to be Joseph. Joseph, who just a God. He's just a God. And he's there when God, when the word is made flesh, he held God in his arms. The, the beauty of that, the content of that sermon, the beauty of, of holding God uh, uh, smiling upon his face, having the Christ child smile back at him. He, he, he enters it. He, he, um, Bernardino takes issue with people who see Joseph as an as a angry, dour, mm, frowning figure. How could he be filled with anything but joy when he was the one who got to cuddle Christ? He's now in armor, right? He shows up in armor yes. at a certain point. Hence, hence, hence my justification for the title, besides the fact that I really like the idea. But there is, um, in the cathedral and during the Middle Ages, uh, there's a, they're kind of jockeying around trying to figure out what to do with Joseph. Joseph is becoming a staple in images of the Holy Family, but they haven't quite figured out exactly how he should be portrayed. And in the Cathedral of Auton, there, uh, it's a Romanesque cathedral, so they have what are called historiated capitals, which means the tops of the columns are carved with stories. And um, they have the flight to Egypt, in, where, in which Mary is seated on, a, on the donkey, she's holding Jesus, 
and then walking ahead with his sword, his helmet, his cuirass, and his sword aloft is Joseph, and just a, a literally a knight in shining armor. All right, all right. Uh, is there much to say about Joseph often shown as sleeping? Yes, that that returns to the um, that returns to the parallels with uh, Joseph the patriarch, and this is a little bit earlier than Bernardino of Siena. We have um, Saint Bernard of Clairvaux, right? So one of the first saints to really make it part of his mission to not rehabilitate but to hold up. And, and, and bring to our collective devotional attention St. Joseph is uh, Bernard of Clairvaux, who draws these parallels between Joseph the Patriarch and Joseph, foster father of Christ, the parallels of chastity, um, the parallels of kingliness, and the parallels of dreams. And so we have Joseph in the Old Testament who can interpret dreams, and then we have Joseph of the New Testament who is is spoken to in dreams, and he has he has angelic communication, and that's one of the things that Bernard of Clairvaux begins to underscore that this is a man who has communicated not once but repeatedly with angels, and that's a thread that other uh, mystics and saints will pick up in later years. The sculpture moving forward, the the sculpture of Joseph by Guidi is stunning. What does it show? That sculpture was produced in um, Santa Maria della Vittoria. Uh, it was produced after uh, Bernini's beautiful St. Teresa in Ecstasy, which is exactly opposite in the church. But on the, in the right transept, there is the image of the dream of Joseph. And so you see this kind of, um, uh, it's almost like a cloud-type formation. It's as if he was trying to emulate what um, Bernini had done with the floating Teresa. You see the reclining Joseph and the angel who is awakening and, and pointing. So this we assume that the dream is the dream that tells Joseph to escape to Egypt or perhaps to return back to Nazareth. He's, he's getting told to move around a lot. Yeah, it, it's a great image. It's nicely reproduced. I'll, I'll, I'll say it again uh, in, in, in the book. Uh, you you turn then Joseph has some uh, connection to the mendicants, uh, the beggars, and and also we go into Joseph in a in a new posture, the posture of kneeling. Well, what do you make of that? Well, the um, Joseph and the mendicants, and again, uh, it's it's uh, he's embraced by the Franciscans. He's particularly particularly embraced by the Franciscan order that. Uh, because of their devotion to the nativity, but also uh, they see in this the humility of Joseph. Joseph is the is, is the picture of humility. He's always taking a back seat. Uh, the uh, interest in the humanity of Christ, which is uh, the cornerstone of the spirituality of, um, of Francis and the Franciscans, which plays out in uh, in Joseph, who is again witness to Jesus's humanity. He has to help Jesus, or his job is to provide for the necessities, the first person necessities of his small child. Um, so that's the uh, that's that's kind of how the relationship to the mendicants gets um, gets established. And then, uh, what was the other part of that question? The kneeling, but that um, goes with the humility. The so humility. It's, 
it right. is it is but it's also connected to a um that's connected to the vision of saint bridget of sweden who on her voyage to the holy land had a vision in the cave of bethlehem in which she sees the birth of christ and out of that vision comes this iconography of the christ child lying on the ground with mary and joseph kneeling on either side so that's that, that's it's connected not not only to the mendicants but it's also connected to this rather extraordinary experience of bridget of sweden what do we see in giotto's famous chapel ah now that's 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 where we get the mendicants back on board now fascinating painting Chosen by Pope Francis, if not his first Christmas as Pope or his second Christmas as Pope, you have a double Christ child in the painting. So it's a, <laughs> that's probably something you could not have gotten away with in early Christian art. They probably would have been screaming idolatry or polygamy or whatever it's supposed to. Uh, 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 it, 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 it's a very strange image to have Jesus above and Jesus below in the same picture. And it's a very beautiful picture. It's very ornate. It's, 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 it's spectacularly drawn and decorated. But in the upper part, you have the Christ child who is being, being adored by his mother. So he's very, you, you see this sort of connection between the mother and son, which is through contemplation and gaze. The lower part, Joseph is supervising while Jesus is being given a bath. And so he's being tended to and washed. And so this juxtaposition of the active and the contemplative, uh, again, breaking up the two the two natures of, of so two natures of Christ, also this this divine as Mary adores him, and the human as as Joseph um, watches over him or, or or supervises his human needs. There's much much more in in the book. We have. Uh, pieces by Ghirlandaio, we have El Greco, Murillo, Raphael, Michelangelo, Caravaggio. It's a great trip through the Renaissance and, and the Baroque uh, all the way up to, to our, the, the nearer times. But uh, the book is a his, uh, The Silent Night, A History of St. Joseph as Depicted in Art. Elizabeth Lev, thank you for joining us. Thank you very much. And thank you for listening to our conversation, which has been supported by Wyoming Catholic College, which combines great books, the Catholic tradition, and the great outdoors of the American West into an extraordinary education. Go to wyomingcatholic.edu or contact the admissions office at 877-332-2930.